Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Prepare. See that word plastered on the pyramids adorning our altar and pulpit during this Advent season. Prepare. Advent is a time for preparation, for being prepared. You are, and we are all preparing first for Christmas, of course, but we are preparing for other things as well. Preparing for our Lord's presence with us here and preparing for our Lord's coming again in glory. Advent is a time, a season for preparing. But what does all that preparing sound like? It might sound like the ringing of the Salvation Army bells outside the store. It might be the the beep of the register uh, scanner or the clicking of the keyboard and mouse as you shop for your gifts. It might be the sound of a deep sigh that you let out as you look at your already full calendar for this month. It might be the sound of quiet sobs as you remember loved ones who are not going to be celebrating this Christmas with you this year. Truth be told, it's probably all of the above, isn't it? And yet there are other sounds of Advent, ones that I want to focus on for today, the sounds of repentance and faith. These are the sounds of Advent expressed by those who are being prepared to receive the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in his now and in his coming soon Advent. It's in the gospel that we hear those most important sounds of Advent. The the sound of the voice of one calling in the wilderness. John the Baptist saying, repent. Repent. But you might be asking, well, what should I repent from? Well, for me, you know, Black Friday has given way to, well, it's no longer just Cyber Monday, it's Cyber Week, right? I have nothing against finding deals when shopping, nor about either of these festival shopping seasons, but what I have a problem with is my own proclivity to look for gifts for myself, (laughs) rather than for my wife, for my kids, or for anyone else. And it's not just I that has this problem, it's God that has this problem. For I have a problem with my own selfishness, my own inability to think of others before myself. See, this is something that I am called to repent from. I am called to repent from my covetous desires. I am called to repent from my idolatry as I put myself above others. What should I repent from? What should you repent from? If you need help, the Lord has prepared a simple list, just ten things on it, a command on it, a commandment, They are to lead us to repent. These commandments, his law, they are for each and every one of us. Now, repentance. Repentance is a God-pleasing sound or response to hearing the law. Repentance is a right response when we hear the law of the Lord proclaimed from from the pulpit or read in our Bibles or our devotions, it is a right response because it acknowledges that God's will is not by nature our own. It acknowledges that we need to be conformed to Christ and not 
Christ conformed to us. Repentance includes a healthy sorrow for what it is that that you've done wrong. And for what is just wrong on its own. Repentance is the work of the Holy Spirit. That as you hear the word of the Lord, you don't fight against it, but you willingly submit to his divine authority and say, you are right. The call to repent is one of the sounds of Advent. It's one of the sounds of preparation to receive the coming King of Kings. Hearing his commandments and responding by the work of the Holy Spirit to say, I am by nature sinful and unclean. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. That is a proper and it is a fitting sound of this Advent season. This was the sound of those who came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. He was one who preached the law. He was one who called all to repent and, who, uh, and called them to receive a baptism for the, for the forgiveness of sins. And, and many did. Many received that. But others, we read, did not. They rejected the preaching of God's word. And they went away with hard hearts. In the gospel told by Matthew, those who rejected John's preaching and baptism also then rejected Jesus and his baptism. They cut themselves off from Jesus in their life in unrepentance, and they remained cut off from him in their death. They did not receive the king in his first advent, and they will be raised and banished at his second advent. They did not heed the king's call, or the call to repent. And as a result, there were no sounds of repentance. The call to repent is just one of the sounds of Advent, but the call to faith is another. It's kind of like melody and harmony, like a, a peanut butter and jelly. The two go together, but they're different. For repentance is a working of the law. And faith, faith receives the gifts of the gospel. Repentance invites you to look at yourself and, 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 uh, and come to grips with what it is that you are seeing. But faith, faith compels you to look outside of yourself. Repentance is over your sin, but faith? Faith is rooted in your Savior from sin. For faith is rooted in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the Jordan at the first advent of our Lord, John the Baptist pointed outside of himself. He pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus with the eyes of faith and he saw that, that Jesus was greater than John. And that John was unworthy to untie his sandals. He appointed to the, the anointed one of Yahweh, the Messiah or the Christ, who is the fulfillment of the promise, and who would bring about salvation for all people. John pointed to Jesus, who had come to bring the rescue long promised. Here in the first advent of Jesus, the promises of Yahweh are being fulfilled. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, repentance over sin is one of the sounds of advent, 
but so is faith in Jesus, who has come to forgive our sin and who has come to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if that's a little abstract, maybe this illustration will help flesh it out. Imagine, perhaps, you know, it's getting to be Christmas time, you go to the, the shelter and you bring home a dog. A dog who did not know the care of a loving and secure home. Now this dog may only know fear and certainly not faith. Meaning that the new dog in your house thinks that he's always in trouble. And when he hears the sound of your voice, he cowls, he makes a bit of a mess, and then he runs off to hide in the kennel. It doesn't matter if it's being called over for a treat, responds with fear, makes a mess, and then hides. The hope is, of course, that the dog is going to learn to fear, love, and trust in your voice as the owner. And then, in turn, you as the owner are going to demonstrate kindness and love and care for that dog. You're the owner, you yourself, would come, uh, comes to, to come to the dog as it's cowering in its kennel. You will speak in, in, in kind and in reassuring tones. You'll, you'll clean up the dog's mess. You'll do it because you care for your frightened dog. See, it's like that for the Lord with his creatures. That's you and I, the offspring of Adam and Eve. Remember what Adam and Eve did when they sinned against the Lord by going against his word in the garden. You could say that they cowered. They made a huge mess, and then they ran and they hid, just like a dog. But the Lord sought them out. The Lord showed them who was in charge, but he also demonstrated his incredible kindness and his love for them. He covered their nakedness and their shame. He, he promised to crush the head of Satan and to clean up the mess of their sin. And he promised to do it all through the advent of a child one born of a woman. And so Adam and Eve trusted that the Lord would do what he had promised. i got to say, if, if you're taking a little bit of offense to being compared to a dog, I offer up that it's not too far of a stretch. Recall what our Lord, when our Lord encountered the, uh, the bold Canaanite woman who petitioned him, or him for her daughter's healing. She said, Lord, help me. And Jesus answered, well, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And of course, her daughter was healed immediately. As Jesus was being petitioned, he said to his disciples, Look, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, we all like sheep or dogs have gone astray. We, we need to be sought out and rescued. We, need, we long for the mess of our sin to be cleaned up. And this is what our Lord Jesus has come to do. For he is the good shepherd who comes to tend his flock. 
He's the one who seeks us out. He is death and his resurrection. They bring about the forgiveness of our sins. And his return in glory will fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is the one in whom all of our trust and our hope is anchored in. And as our faith, our trust, our hope is anchored in him, the more we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, the more opportunity we have for our faith to grow in him. The more we encounter his kindness and his mercy, and we experience that love and that, uh, and that grace, the more we see how he cleans up our mess, the more we see that he seeks us out, the more it is that we grow in our faith and our trust in Christ Jesus. Faith, as you know, without works, is dead. That's to say we don't grow in our faith only for our own benefit, right? This isn't just about you or me. Growing in our faith for our benefit, well, that's kind of like shopping for yourself on Black Friday. It's selfish. It's not what the Lord intends. It's for others. Another way to look at it might be like this, right? You and I, we eat food, and we eat food so that we would grow. But if you eat food, and you do not exercise, well, you end up growing, but not necessarily in the right way, right? Kind of a little bit bigger around here. But if you eat the right food and you exercise, well, then you grow in good ways, right? Faith, then, is to be exercised by works of love for your neighbor. And the Lord provides for your neighbor's from and through the faith that he has given you to be exercised in loving service for others, right? Go back to the Jordan River. This time, the gospel told by Luke. It's the same scene. John's preaching. People are repenting, and in faith, they're being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Only Luke gives us this additional detail. Those who were being baptized by John wanted to know what a good looks look like? How does this fruit played out? How, how can this be lived out in my life? They wanted to know how they were to love their neighbor. And so in Luke's gospel, we have a few different people occupying different vocations. And to each one of them, John is proclaiming to them what love for their neighbor might look like. For the tax collector who's repentant and, and receiving this baptism in faith, he says, well, look, don't take more than what you should. Don't steal. For the soldier, he's saying to them, look, don't use your authority to bully or to, to, to extort or to hurt others. And for others, it simply might be to share what it is that you have been given with those who have not. This is what love for your late neighbor might look like. This is what fruit of repentance and faith might look like. For love for your neighbor is the fruit of repentance and faith. It's expressed in, in different ways, each as unique as your vocations. Right? When you go to the grocery store, you see apples and oranges and bananas and so forth and so forth. They, they all come from different types of trees, don't they? They're unique. They're unique to the trees that they come from. So love for your neighbor can be as unique as you are and giving those gifts of love to the people that you are called to in your vocations. 
like a father to his son, a wife to her husband, a teacher to their students. It can be expressed corporately as, as a congregation. There's no limit. But these fruits of repentance and faith, these, these works of love for your neighbor, really and truly, they only come from one tree, and that's the tree of the cross. It's through the cross that our Lord has dealt ever so kindly with us and with our sin. It's there that our Lord, who was baptized in the Jordan to bear our sin, suffered and died in our place. For us, the, the cross is the tree of life. And from it, we eat the fruits that were given there. From the cross, we receive the, the body and the blood of Jesus given and shed for us. And in eating that holy and precious food, we grow in our faith. And it's from eating this food that we find the strength, the strength to have our faith exercised in love for our neighbors. For without the cross, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are lost and we are condemned creatures. We're lost in our own selfishness. We are, we are left cowering and fleeing and trying to hide from God. We are left in the mess of our sin that we have created. But in the cross, in the cross we are forgiven and redeemed. In the cross we are assured that the Lord is redeeming all of his creation from all unrighteousness. In the cross we are free to be selfless in our giving. We are learning to trust as we are drawn to the Lord in his kindness and his mercy and his grace and his love for you and for me and for all people. See, Advent is a season to prepare. The sounds of Advent truly are repentance and faith. Repentance over our sin and faith in Jesus who forgives. This is the Advent of our Lord. And as he comes to you, as you hear his word, let him hear your repentance. As you hear and you receive his forgiveness, let the Holy Spirit strengthen and grow you in faith to him. And as we together grow in faith to Christ, let the Holy Spirit exercise faith in love for our neighbor until that final advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are the sounds of Advent. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our now and coming King. Amen.